Hey guys, how are we getting on? Welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number eight. Today we are joined by Matt Peacock, or the Muscle and Mindset Coach, and we, we talk about everything regarding morning routines, brain optimization, lifestyle optimization, and everything in terms of building a resilient mindset, building a, a well-functioning body and that is going to be able to work for us in, in, in the way that we want to. Had a fantastic chat with Matt. I've, I've been following for quite a while now, and we know each other from messaging each other back and forth, and I was really, really happy to get him on the podcast. He has some fantastic insights as to how to optimize our, our daily habits and, and our lifestyle in order to achieve our body composition and, and mindset goals. So hopefully you guys enjoy this one. Please let me know what you guys think. Drop me a message on Instagram or something. And uh, looking forward to to getting your feedback. <clears throat> hey guys, welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number eight. And today we are joined by Matt Peacock, all the way over in whereabouts are you in in Scotland? Actually, Matt, I'm in Edinburgh. How's it going over there? Yeah, really good. Really good. Yep. Thank you very much. Yeah, 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 we're not in lockdown like you guys, so enjoying know, it. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately not fingers crossed a couple more days and we'll all be back training are you back training fully now i know back you took a bit of time off did you yeah it took like i don't know 12 12 weeks out of the gym which yeah. i'll be honest i never want to do again in my life but we're back in the gym now so yeah been back in the last couple of weeks enjoying having something other than 18 kilo dumbbells to train with yeah no i'm unfortunately still stuck with them so a couple more weeks now <laughs> and uh fingers crossed and we'll be all good but um, yeah, I'd love you to just give a bit of an introduction to yourself, um, what, who you are, what you do, how you got into fitness and uh, your journey so far. No problem, buddy. So first and foremost, thanks for having me. I appreciate you getting no me problem. on. Me. Um, so origin story, who am I, where did I come from? So I am from Scotland. I got into fitness early doors because both my parents are relatively athletic, whether or not they would admit it or not. Um, so I've kind of always had that interest but was never a team sports guy just couldn't get into it was always a solo sport person like too competitive for team sports if someone else was on the team that didn't perform i used to get so pissed off so, <laughs> so i'm a solo sport man um i actually once i, I left school I, I went into structural engineering for a decade which was great like really really good job as we discussed off air like took me around the world like over mm. to australia um to denmark it was it was great fun um but ultimately left me feeling unfulfilled um, and every office I ever worked in I became like the office personal trainer despite having no qualifications people that work in offices generally generally aren't that fit like they have big issues with fitness because their office job is not conducive to being in shape but then I came along and I you know try to train at lunch or train before work or have protein like you know the, the, the drawer unit that you have and your pedestal unit at a desk job and it's got like filing cabinets in the bottom. I ripped the filing cabinets out and put like a five kilo bag of protein in. Um, and then I used to like you know, the tuna, tuna and rice every day for lunch. I was a total bro. Um, but Very nice. every office I ever worked and they used to ask me advice. So I used to help out people, take them to the gym, whatever else. And I quite enjoyed it. Anyway, like long story short, like towards the end of my career, um, I moved into interior design and architecture just to try and scratch an itch, which turned out it was the wrong one. It was great fun, but then that company let like half of us go. And I was like, cool, I'm just going to take the redundancy and had zero plan, like nothing. Hmm. Went and did my qualifications, <laughs> level two and three for PT, and literally was like, suppose I should probably join a gym. That's what you do now, right? So I walked into the gym, which um, it was just down the road from the house. I was like, right, I want a PT here. Um, and I think purely because of the network I had built up from, from engineering, especially on things like LinkedIn, I put it on LinkedIn, like, like I've changed career, I'm PT in, in Edinburgh, this is what I'm going to be doing. And within like the space of a month, I was like fully booked, we're doing 40 sessions a week, dead happy with it. Um, and it went really well, um, but ultimately then quite quickly became unfulfilled again, it was like, this isn't serving, you know, this is, there's something about me that likes, I like working with computers, I think like. I've always been that guy. I'm, I'm, I probably pride myself on like data management. That's what my job was before, ultimately. Um, so I started doing some hybrid work. We did online and face-to-face. -face, and slowly but surely, I was just drawn towards online. So long story long, the end of that is I ended up um, working fully online, which is now. And, I, and it's, um, it's gone from strength to strength. Buddy. I think that's yeah, pretty much how everyone really gets into it. It's, <clears throat> it's someone's asked for a little bit of advice here and there. And you say, actually, you know what? 
I'm quite good at this. Or you can say, if you just put your elbow there in that bench press or something like that and change it a little bit, and you say, actually, you know what, I'm, I'm okay at this. But um, how long have you been now uh, completely online compared to how long have you been online since starting your overall PT journey? So online, I have been online for probably a year now, fully online. PT, six years. Um, one thing I would say though, Josh, is you're like, you know, you used to, you realized you were quite good at it. You would tell someone to put their elbow here or there. That was not the case for me. I was oh, like, really? bro, just eat tuna and rice, bro, and train your chest and your biceps really oh, fucking yeah. hard. And then all the chicken, which is not the case. Yeah. Arms all day and just eat chicken and broccoli. That was it. That, that's right, mate. Train the muscles you can see in the mirror and forget everything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. I used to do some, and I've said on this podcast a couple of times, I used to do some ridiculous diets. I remember the first diet I ever really did was just egg whites in the morning. I thought it was just eat as little as you can and make it, make it protein. It was egg whites in the morning, um, chicken and cucumber for lunch and chicken and asparagus for dinner. That was it. Three meals. I'd say that's what is that? 500 calories? Less? Like ridiculous. Well, was, oh my God. Dropping kilo, kilo a week. I was white, white yeah, even yellow in color. Like, just was not the healthiest way. So I've learned, learned the hard way how not to do it. Anyway. Oh, I went man. the other way and I just ate everything in sight that had protein in it and just yep. tried to get as massive as possible, yep. which don't get me wrong, that was achieved, but it was realized in the form of fat rather than muscle largely. I was um, there as well. Don't get me wrong, there was obviously some muscle underneath and I have retained that. So I, I, well, it wasn't a completely fruitless journey, but <clears> when I look back, I kind of shake my head at myself and think, what was I doing? I'm like, I didn't have a clue. Mm what i was doing yeah but like here we are right Learned, yeah exactly yeah i think it's, it's one of those as well i used to when i was training for for rugby back in the day i always said like i used to play uh, hooker and just trying to get as big as i can as quick as i can so just eat 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 and i got up to what was it, 103 kilos and like when i looked <laughs> at myself i was like i can six pack kind of like completely ripped when i when i looked at myself and then when i look back at photos now i go jesus that i let myself go there but you have to learn to learn how to make the mistakes first, I guess, and then and learn from it there. Learn from okay. it now, even. Hundred percent. Um. So anyway, <clears throat> I'd like to jump into one or two little things. So, if anyone doesn't follow Matt, one of his trademark phrases is "winning the first battle," and this is what everything is. This kind of conversation is going to be about is is kind of um a mi- mindset focused and um routine focused really, and how important that is. And something I, t- I talk about all the time, and I know you're big for it as well is having kind of uh, bedtime and, and morning routines. So winning the first battle, what does that actually mean to you and what does it really represent? Okay, so the, the win the first battle thing is kind of grown arms and legs, kind of took off on social media and then all kinds of people were tagging me in it. And that's great, like, and that's kind of, I'm really happy for that. And I want to make, it, make a point of saying publicly, again, like I really appreciate everyone that's kind of jumped on that bandwagon. Thank you for doing it. It's like the, the stickers that I got made wouldn't exist if it wasn't for those people. Yeah. Um, the, the whole thing when the first battle was born out of, let's start with like the origin of it. So it was born out of like the importance of routine like you've pointed out in there is that I think with all my clients, one of the things I really hammer home to them is the importance of having kind of structure to the beginning and end of your day because largely people have structure to the middle of their day provided by a job that is not under their control or they're, you know, they're employed for most part. So, Outside of that, we've got the morning and the evening where they are kind of autonomous. And that's where they, they seem to make the most mistakes in my mind, where the best example I give and the same analogy to every client is I use kind of Rolls-Royce. Now, a caveat, I know nothing about how Rolls-Royce operate their business, but I'm going on some assumptions here. Now, if you think about Rolls-Royce, like beyond making cars, they make like airplane engines, right? They, they are a big outfit. Now, I think if, we, if you take a minute to imagine the factory in which they're making those engines, it's probably almost a sterile environment, right? It's like super clean. There's no dust. It's like really organized. There's checklists. And I, the way I describe the, my client to my clients is that if you think of yourself as the Rolls Royce factory, do you think that they just come in in the morning and turn the lights on and get to work? And do you think that when they're finished, they just the last man out turns the lights off and it's like, see you tomorrow? Probably not, right? There's probably a fairly lengthy checklist. It has to be checked for safety, for security, and for quality production purposes, right? Like that, that has to happen. Like the last man out doesn't just turn off the lights. And I think a lot of people, they're turning off the proverbial lights as the last man out when they just like, they come in, 
They're stressed out like nothing on earth. They eat a convenience dinner. They watch some shit on TV and then they turn off the lights and they've just not, they've not had any downtime. And the same goes for the morning. They come in and they just flip that light switch on without any real consideration for like the man in the Rolls Royce factory is probably going to make sure that all the machinery is working. We've got no errors, you know, all these different processes. And that's where we have like a power up and a power down sequence. So in this context, we're talking about the power up sequence, which was the morning how do we start our day? How do we start our, our metaphorical engines? And how do we get the, the, the machine running? I think most people, they wake and what do they reach for? Like they go straight for caffeine, right? So we've woken, we're most likely at the peak of our dehydration for the day because we've gone sometimes 12 hours without consuming any liquid whatsoever. You've most likely sweated in the night. You will have lost water in the night regardless of what you've been up to. So ultimately, sometimes maybe more, depends if you've had a good night or not. Um, but if when you wake in the morning, if you're dehydrated and we're reaching immediately for a diuretic, we're only making that problem worse. So we started with putting water in and we worked around all these things. And then I realized there's like all this kind of doesn't matter because there's a missing part. When I was trying to break down this morning routine, I was like, there's still something missing. And then eventually, like, I just had this kind of light bulb moment where I'm like, it's people snoozing on when, when clients were checking in with me, I was hammering home the water, I was hammering home all these other bits. And a lot of the time in their check-ins, it would be like, oh, I missed that one morning or four mornings of the week. I missed it because I slept in or I snoozed too many times. I'm like, this is happening time and time again. There's a, there's a, there's a pattern. So that's what led me to think about it in that context. And I realized that I don't snooze. Like, I, There's two types of people, right? There's the 40 alarms. They're like, like wakey, wakey, get up now. <laughs> oh, shit, they're already late. Like all those alarms. <laughs> or there's the people who, like me, who I literally have one alarm in my phone and I delete all the yeah. other ones. So it's just one and it wakes me up on time at like 10 past five. So I realized that I, I didn't sleep in because I didn't allow myself the ability to have, there's no backstop. If I, if I don't wake up on that alarm, I'm fucked. So... Mm. That's where when the first battle came from, whereas it's like, I realized that I, the first battle that someone faces mentally, and bear in mind that our day is a sequence of battles where we have largely polar choices. Do we have pizza or fajitas? Do we have the gym or the cinema? So all these decisions happen in a largely polar and binary decision-making matrix every single day. And the first one that we have is get out of bed or stay in bed. And I think the vast majority of people choose the latter. Um, and the way I describe it, although cheesy, the way I describe it to my clients is like, all of them are go-getters. Like they wouldn't be in a program like mine if they weren't, they want more from their life. Now, all those things that they want to go and get, their dreams, if you will, they, they, they all involve you having to get out of bed and go and get them, right? They're not going to land on your lap. So you can get up and chase them or you can stay in bed and watch them in cinematic form in your brain. But only one of them brings them closer to your reality. And I think as soon as that kind of penny drops with clients, they're like, shit, I need to start getting out of bed. It is absolutely not, Josh, and I, I take the point to point this out, I take the moment to point this out on every single podcast, is it's absolutely not a dick swing, swinging contest to see who can get up the, the earliest, which is what I started to turn into on social media. It was like, hey, I'm up at 10 past three. It's like, fantastic, mate. Enjoy your terrible afternoon. But it, it's not a case of, even if your alarm is at 7, 8, 8 a.m., that's cool. As long as you, you have that like mental fortitude to, to get up and choose to get out of bed, I think it's that first opportunity to just choose what you want over comfort. And I think if you can start to do that, you will start to put yourself in, in more uh, opportunistic mm. scenarios. So I don't know if you've read the book, The Obstacle is the Way, but ultimately the by ryan holiday great book right but it's like the obstacle is always if you can smash through that obstacle you will get to you lean into it the obstacle is getting out of bed that's the first obstacle it's the first opportunity you have to take control of your thoughts and be like no i need to get on with the day and get up and do it and then that's kind of the very long story about where that started yeah nice i really like that it's just trying to like instill you to have that mental resilience and <clears throat> to not negotiate with yourself when you have that moment where you're in bed and it's just like you have that it is exactly like you just said it's just the first battle of the day that you have to try and win and something i try and say as well is not as well as trying to get out of bed but going into into shower and then finishing it with a cold one it's early it's you're half asleep sometimes you're in a warm shower the last thing you want to do is have the freezing cold shower but if you just flick it you get one up on yourself and you start the day off a nice one and also we know from um, vagus nerve and stuff like that the recoverability and um, benefits of it but um, 
I think it's, it's the same kind of process. And I, I've written in winning the first battle, TM beside it, because I know you're the first. I've seen a couple of them. There's a few lads over here that do them, and it might have spread the whole way over. You never know. But um, some of them are. Uh, what are the other ones that you've seen? I've seen a few. I've seen a few just using win the first battle, and I've no problem with that at all. Like, I, let's be real, I don't own it, and I'm not a princess about it. I just wouldn't mind the occasional <laughs> tag. Do you know what I mean? If you're going to do yeah, it, then yeah, just yeah. Oh, I learned this. Like, I like to do that with people. If I learn something from from you or for anyone else, I like, oh, I learned this from Josh. Tag yeah. you that way. People might find your profile because let's yeah. be honest, as as entrepreneurs and online businessmen, that's kind of how people find us. But mm. yeah, I've seen, I've seen a few, and I, I stand by all of them. I'm I'm a I'm a proponent of all of them getting out of bed and just that teaching people people's issue is largely discipline based in my opinion um people lack discipline and that's what that was why i started by saying that people in the middle portion of their day the discipline is provided like if you if you don't adhere you will lose your job whereas in the morning and the evening the consequences are are they're invisible they are not less they are invisible the consequences of being a like a lazy bastard for want of a nicer way of putting it in the morning and in the evening is that your health is your mindset is your mental health is your like is, is everything and, and it's largely invisible until it becomes painfully visible in you know it, it, it's a it's a slow insidious creeping death that will sneak in when you just choose comfort all the time um and it's just it's, it's a mental weakness and and what I'm not trying to do is lord over and be like, look at me with my mental strength and discipline. It's something that you can learn and you can instill in anyone. It doesn't mean you're going to nail it. And when you start to put win the first battle into, into practice, you're going to drop the ball. You're going to have a few mornings where you're like, God, this is terrible. Like, why am I doing this? I still have those mornings. Like, I think um, I said to you off air, this, like, this is the first morning in six years I slept to be on 6 a.m. on a weekday. Um, and I woke up feeling like a legend, to be honest. But... It, it, it happens to all of us. I did that by choice because, like I said, you were moving house and there is no sofa to sit on. So it seemed largely irrelevant what time I got up. Hundred <laughs> percent, and such a low, a low level buy-in as well. I always tried to say that it's like going out and doing a, like a class, going out of the house to go do a class or something to like start your morning routine. That's a high level buy-in. This is such an easy thing to do. Or flick the, like I said, flick the shower down to cold. Such a low level. Such an easy thing to do. And like you said, we can, everyone can instill that into their daily routine easily. 100%. 100%. I think, I think like, in case it's not already obvious, like my choice of language is usually fairly colorful, but it's like, in, in my mind, it's like just taking control of your inner bitch, like first thing in the morning, because we've all got one where it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to do it most mornings. And the reality is, Josh, like I get up at 10 past five, I absolutely do not need to get up at 10 past five every morning. And some mornings, say I go, like recently when we've been moving house, case in point, like I've been up later than I would normally be because there's been necessity for that. Yeah. So I've slept later to accommodate that. It's not a case of like, well, I get up at five ten regardless and like hammering myself into submission. Like all you're going to do is ruin your HRV. All you're going to do is elevate your resident heart rate. And all you're going to do is all the negative sort of maladaptations, I suppose, of, of lack of sleep are, are, go- are going to present themselves. So, yeah, I think it's just taking control of your inner bitch where you can. And I think, like, to go back to the, the power down, power up, a good power up starts with a good power down, right? Like, yeah, 100%. Like, if you want to get up early, which I think what a lot of people see, like, uh, you know, I, I, I use my time in the morning to, to look after me and to fill up my cup because I spend my day looking after coaches and looking after clients. Um, and I pour my heart and soul into my business and I will stand by that until I'm blue in the face, I would say that. Like I will literally pour my heart and soul into everyone's journey. But what that leaves me at the end of the day is largely fucked. Like I'm completely <laughs> rinsed at the end of the day. Like, and I, I, it, that's an option as a coach. You don't have to do yeah. that. But if we can, it involves going to bed at a relative time. Like I go to bed at like half eight. Mm. People are like, I have children that go to bed later than you. Like, yeah, that's that's, that's fine. Like, and but for some reason, I'm berated as a weirdo for going to bed early. But if you stay up till one, yeah, it's fairly normal. I don't think so. Like, I try to go, I try my best, and this is the point about times being um, malleable, is that I try my best to move with the sun. Yeah. So right now, my morning, like, I used to get up before five in the summer. But the reality is the daylight here is absolutely atrocious. So with that, <laughs> yeah. I now... I just get up later because it, it's 
way more tiring and I go to bed slightly earlier. Yeah. It's just, yeah, like you said, waking up with the, the light and, and dark. It's good for the circadian rhythm, as we know. <clears throat> um, so in terms of kind of that, I'm gonna, that's going to lead us nicely into the, into the next point I want to talk about. What does your morning and evening routine look like? As I know we've talked about kind of um, how important having these things are. And, and for the listeners out there, um, th- this is Matt's morning routine as well. It doesn't mean that you have to do it. Um, but if you can take one or two things from this, I think that it could be applicable. So we'd like, love to get an insight into what do you run through and, and kind of why do, you, why do you do these things for yourself, as, as you said, to fill back up your cup? 100% mate. So I think um, what you're saying there is really, really key is that like, it works for me. It doesn't necessarily work for anyone. And, and to, to kind of go back to my previous point, it's malleable. So it changes. Mine has is, mine is morphed recently um, a little bit. What I will start by saying is, a good morning routine starts with a good evening routine. Yeah. Like I've just said. So for me, let's start with the evening routine because it yep. seems like it seems like the logical place to start. So with an evening routine, I look to, um, to come off my computer, my phone, the lot from a work perspective, not necessarily away from them entirely about four hours before I go to bed. So I've got like a good period of time where I can cook, where I can be with Sarah, where I can be with Nixon, where maybe we can walk the dog, we can go to the beach, whatever. Just like I need some time to try and disconnect because otherwise I go to yeah. bed and I have work dreams and I don't sleep well. Yeah. Um, and then I, I aim to put my blue blockers on, my blue light blockers on around the same time. So that tends to correlate with the sun going down. So obviously when like we've touched on circadian rhythm and I don't know if this is the forum for it, but like with, with regards to circadian rhythm, when the sun's going down, that's cool. That's how we've evolved to, to register that it's time to start to produce the relative chemicals to go into, go into sleep. Right. I don't think this is the place to discuss which ones they are or whatever and get into that discussion. But with it, you know, evolution of mankind, we've obviously started with a lot of fluorescent light with computers. We've got fluorescent light bulbs, we've got phones, so to block that, blue light blocking glasses on, the orange ones, people, for the listeners, will have seen some of us wearing them. They go on, which sort of creates that block for the blue light, which is damaging to those correct chemicals for, for sleep. They go on. And then I, I basically, I'm big on not watching TV. And this is where I, I'm almost a bit militant with it. And I don't anticipate everybody will be like that. Like Sarah doesn't do that. Sarah's just like, nah, I'm not having it. She, she'll be watching Love Island USA. That's cool. Like knock yourself out. This isn't you know it's, it, it, this isn't a concentration camp. You're allowed to do your thing. So she does that. I choose to read and I choose to get myself away from the screens entirely because the reality is um, I find them distracting. I find them I automatically end up on social media, which can often be a bit of a negative place. Or I end up just you know what it's like check Instagram, nothing more on Instagram. Check Facebook, nothing on Facebook. Check email. You've just gone through that same trifecta of bullshit. Over and over and, over and then over again. all you see is an email from a client or a bumped payment or yeah. something that you, an invoice or, you know, there's something that stresses you out that you didn't realize. And it's now quarter to, quarter to nine and it's time for me to go to bed and I'm opening a bloody email. It's like your payment is overdue or someone's payments bounce and that's going to stress me out. So I try to avoid those things. I tend to read as close to bed as possible and then put the, the, the relative vitamins in. Um, for going to bed and that's pretty much it for me like I tend to do once I get into bed I do my gratitude journaling so three things I'm grateful for on that day that's right next to my bed even last night when we slept on an inflatable mattress that was on the floor next to me I did it there's no excuse oh, for yeah dedication love it 100% mate and like, I've done it probably for like five years and I've got all the books I keep them all and I yeah, like to yeah. flip back every once in a while I think um, that's the nicest part about them isn't it and just di- diary and I do I do uh just normal diaring about like what's happened throughout the day, but I have a gratitude journal as well. And it's just, it's so nice to just flick back and say, fuck, that was a great day. Do you know, just automatically brings that smile to your face, you know, and whenever you are feeling a little bit stressed or a little bit anxious, something that's always a nice way to, to reflect on it, isn't it? I think on top of that, the other nice thing about gratitude journaling is like, sometimes you will have had a day, which is subjectively shit. Yeah. Like you just didn't have a good day. You're in a bad mood. You fell out with someone, work was crap. Like you find out you're getting made redundant. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Mm. But they're the most important days to do it. Because if you can, if you can find silver linings in those days, there's still pl- like plenty of things. Like see last night when I got into bed, number one, like I don't often share my gratitudes because I feel like they're, they're quite a sacred thing. You don't yeah, necessarily yeah. Think. I'm happy to share one in here though. So one, uh, number one last night was the fact that Sarah and I have the financial capacity and the ability to sleep on an actual bed every night because we went to bed in an inflatable mattress last night. 
and I was truly anticipating having a spine of an 80-year-old when I woke up. <laughs> it turned out not to be the case, but you can be gra- grateful for the smallest things. They don't have to be profound, which is where people get it wrong. So I do that, and then the last part of the puzzle is I, I wear earplugs and an eye mask. Talk about princess every I single saw, night. I've seen the ear mask. I've seen that. I do an eye mask. I don't do the earplugs, though. So Sarah Central. and I live next to, like, not, it's not a main road by any stretch of the imagination. It's just a, like, a slightly busier road in the neighborhood where, like, it yeah. takes you up to the supermarket. So all night there might be lorries or whatever, like, one every four hours, like, whatever. But it wakes mm-hmm. me. I think one thing that people underestimate about sleep is like when you fall asleep, you largely, your brain turns off your body, right? At certain stages in your sleep. The one thing it doesn't turn off is your ears. So you can be woken by them more susceptibly than anything else. So I use nice. wax earplugs. They literally like, they literally make you deaf. Um, so I put them in and I can't hear anything. All you can hear is your own breath, which is weird. And then a contoured eye mask. So it's not against my eyes. Again, princess mode. If it's against your eyes, it just disrupts my sleep. So I've got ones that kind of look like a bee or something like that. Um, Where did you get them from? I got it from Amazon, mate. Like, it, I bought, um, so Sarah's brother-in-law, we got him like a, a really expensive one. He's a, he's a copper and he works shifts. So we got him an expensive one for his birthday. But then I was like, I'm going to try the cheap one for me and just buy like the entry level like molded one. And it's been absolutely fine. It's not great. It's not the most comfortable, but it's enough that I fall asleep with it on and I wake up with it in the bed. Fine. I don't really care. Um, but it works. So that's, yeah. and then, and then that's pretty much it. Like that's me out for the count. Um, and then when I get up in the morning, we move it to the morning routine. So morning routine, win the first battle, get up on the first alarm. Tick. You can do that every single morning. I then don't go straight to the shower. I go straight downstairs and I rehydrate. So again, we don't reach for a diuretic, we reach for 100%. water. I go a, a full shaker, so 700 mils of water. I put electrolytes and a greens blend in there. And vitamin D, because again, daylight, no vitamin D in Scotland whatsoever. Um, I mean, I, and I go big on it. Like I go like 8,000 IUs, um, vitamin D every day. That's not something you want to copy unless you know what you're doing. Yeah. And then um, once I've done that, straight into um at that moment in time meditation so i just pull out my little meditation cushion pull it up now important to point out whilst i'm drinking the water i put in my human charger which is again blue light which is now we want blue light because we want to encourage the opposite and evoke the opposite response that we wanted to block you know last night um so blue light ear pods in and they shine blue light into my, my lug holes at my brain um and effectively, I, I, I have them almost I'm drinking water and I keep them almost I meditate. I meditate using the Aura Ring app because it actually links with Oak, which is the one that I used before I had an Aura Ring. Um, do 10 minutes of meditation and then I get up. And now in the summer, I used to go out and listen to a podcast and walk for 20, 25 minutes. This time of year, the weather is pretty questionable and we've moved our gym sessions to the morning. So the walk is taken. This is what I'm saying about your morning routine has to be able to change. It has to, it, yeah. You have to be able to improvise, adapt and overcome dependent on seasons, dependent on your work requirements, dependent on moving house, dependent on a million and one things. So I, I no longer go for the walk. I then make myself a coffee and I grab, the, I grab my book. So I read for 20 minutes every morning. One thing that I think most coaches struggle with is like continuous education and not just relying on seminars like 100% teaching yourself. So I have hammered the most wild amount of books this year, like just smash. Yeah, you do hammer books, to be fair to you. I'll 20 you minutes in the morning and you can get through so many pages because there's nothing else. And genuinely, mate, I'll tell you this. And I say it to Sarah all the time. And I, I mean it with love towards Sarah. It's like, she's not there, but it is without doubt my favorite part of the whole day. Not for the lack of her. That's what I always have to caveat. But because... <laughs> No one else is up. I'm already up. I've had my water. I won the first battle. I've got that kind of self-righteous smugness about me, which you're entitled to, I think. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else is in bed, and I'm sitting with a really good cup of coffee. So I make like coffee with like I'm not a keto zealot. I don't. I'm not keto in any way, but I make coffee with butter and MCT in it because I actually like how it tastes. Never mind any potential health benefit. And I sip my coffee and I read, and I, I just love that 20 minutes of my day. Thereafter, I sit and write today's Instagram post. Because I'm most creative in the morning, and thus can, and then we go to the gym, and thus completes Sarah and I's morning routine. Obviously, I come back and do the cold shower at the end of that, um, and that kind of nice. that cold shower signifies the, the the back end bookmark to my morning routine. So it's like the second battle is what I sell it to my clients. So it's like you win the first one when you get up, the second one signifies you taking off your personal hat and putting on your work hat, and off you go. 
Nice. I think a big key to that as well is adaptability, isn't it? You know, like even from a day-to-day basis, something might might just not go your way or seasons in particular from where where we're from, Scotland and, and Dublin. Um, it's never going to be ideal. And we know how cold it was getting up at um, ridiculous hour in the morning to going for clients and stuff like that. Things are going to have to be um, adaptable around, around that 100%. Agree. So jumping into uh, the next point. So we want to try to look, look at a couple of um, kind of concepts uh, that you look to instill in yourself on a day-to-day basis. And for you and your clients to, to help optimize your day, are there any kind of things that you, other than obviously a, an exquisite morning and evening routine, um, is there anything from day to day basis if it comes down to either diet or um, any kind of habits that you ask clients to do on a day to day basis to really to get the most out of their days? So with with clients, it's like it's, it, mindset is one of the main components that we we, we front load, and in terms of. The way I understand a, any, any I, I kind of dislike this word, but I'm going to use it, transformation, because it, it's, yeah. it's, laden, it's laden with Quick fast, break. aggressive, yeah. destructive uh, changes in body composition. But if we talk yeah. about body composition changes, that's where people come to me, right? And when we talk about that in the context of a healthy, integrative PT, um, health-first approach, Let's put that caveat out there heavily. If we take it in that context, in my mind, mindset is one of the biggest, if not the biggest thing that needs to change in terms of the client needs to go through an identity transformation and change in order to to get the most out of it. In fact, in order to get anything out of it, they kind of do. So um, kind of in terms of what do we instill in them, it's very much, I ask them to think about the person they want to be at the end of this, not necessarily just physically, but mentally in terms of, the person, obviously people know who know Josh, they have assumptions of who Josh is. People who know Matt, they kind of associate me with the guy's a dick, whatever else. Like, <laughs> they have associations of who they think I, who they think I am. And they probably do think that on the whole. I'm okay with it. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of polarizing people. So I want them to think about who that person is. Who do people, who, outwardly, how do people associate them? Uh, how, how do they identify with themselves? And then what, and what I want to do is kind of role model that. So whether that's me, because a lot of the time I work with, I work with men. So a lot of the time they're, they're like, mate, I just want to have the, what you've got with this, this, and this. And like, cool, so role model me if you want, or pick someone else. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get butt hurt. There's nothing from my ego. You don't even need to tell me if it's me. And then think about how that person would behave. So it's almost the, what would Jesus do, right? So I'm like, what would Matt do? Or what would your role model do? And then if we think about right back to the start of this discussion, Josh, when, we, when I mentioned it, Decisions and the challenges that people face daily are largely binary, right? They're largely polar, like A or B. They're, they're, it's not a multifaceted choice. So when they face these challenges, the person that they are at the start of their journey will choose the comfort, will choose the food, will choose the lazy option, most likely. And, and that's fine. Identifying that is, is the first step. All change starts with awareness, right? And then thereafter, we have to... Think of the, you know, what would Matt do? What would Jesus do? And then we take that person as a role model and we're like, cool, Matt probably wouldn't have the beer. Matt probably wouldn't have the pizza. Now, that doesn't mean you have to become a Mormon. It, it just means that you have to start to act in, a, in accordance and in, in congruence with that person you want to become. And if you can cast, so if we think about it as casting votes. And the way I discuss it is like, we, we want, I actively encourage a split personality in my clients. I'm like, cool, we've got old you who you join me. We've got new you, who is who you want to be. So we've got Trump and Biden, right? Now you can decide who the asshole and who the good guy is there for yourself. So I'm going to leave that there. Um, and then ultimately, what we want to do is cast more votes for Biden. I mean, the good guy um, and, and not the asshole. Um, and as long as we're casting more votes over there, then ultimately we will be moving the needle towards that identity transformation and the shift that we need to have in order to facilitate the physical changes and in order to make them stick. Because anybody can go through a fast, rapid, destructive transformation, get thick skin, lean, get their eating 1,200 calories, training 40 hours a week, absolutely metabolically fucked. And then when they get chucked out of that program, they've had no transformation in who they are. They, don't, they still identify as a slob. So what do you think they go and do the next day? They've got no extrinsic motivation anymore because they don't have that, that, that program that's like, oh God, I, I've got to do this because I'm in a group. I've got, you know, I can't not turn up. 
that extrinsic motivation evaporates overnight. Now we've got a personality which is destructive in terms of they're still the same person that they were, which is probably sedentary, which is probably lazy, which is probably overweight. And I, I use those words in terms of how these are how people describe themselves to me. And I hear those words early in their, their discussion with me and I pick up on them and I work on those things. Like you identify as fat, you identify as lazy, you identify as whatever. And we start casting more votes for the good guy. And as long as we're casting more votes over the course of the day for the good guy, slowly but surely, once that transformation happens, it paves the way to automation in your decision making. Definitely. Like case in point, one example to give that some context is a couple of weekends ago, we went away from my mom's birthday and we were away kind of just staying at a cottage. And, and most of my family, like any good British family, are, you know, they quite like a gin and tonic or several glasses of wine. That's absolutely fine. Now, I have historically, but the more into this health optimization, the less I find myself inclined to drink. And that doesn't mean that I'm doing that from some self-righteous, like, well, I don't drink alcohol because I'm better than you. It's like, it just means that I feel the consequence of alcohol quite greatly because I don't do it that much. And I actually, I don't get that. I don't get the enjoyment that other people seem to get out of it. On the Saturday night, they were like, oh, we're going to have some you know, drink. And it's like 3 p.m. and they're already started a gin and tonic. Like, fine, no problem. It's their birthday. Knock yourself out. They got champagne or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to go for a run. And I went for a run through the forest and I found myself thinking, I'm like, I actually identify as this person, not that person. And that's why this decision was so easy and it was binary and I didn't have to think. I have automation in my what would Jesus do question. Mm. And that right there is what I think is if the listeners or anyone on any journey could do one thing, largely the workout input, the food, out, the food input, all that, we can work that out. You can skin that cat a thousand and one ways, but the mindset thing has to come first. Yeah. I think something as well that when, when you started to talk about that, it reminded me, <clears throat> I remember picking up something up from me a couple of weeks back. It was that the training aspect is, is one hour of the day. And then the other 23 hours is what we need to put our time into. And I think a lot of people get so worked up about the training aspect that they lose focus on, all the other 23 hours of the day. I think that that's pretty much exactly what you're talking about. Just trying to create habitual, um, a habitual mindset. So just for, it's, I had this conversation in a check-in earlier and he said that it just gets to the stage where even if you're not feeling this, one, one of my clients is in the very, very end of a dieting stage. And, um, and at the very end, his motivation is a little bit low. He's oh, just could like, could barely muster it up to, to get a leg session done, but I got it done. I said, that you're starting to build this resilience in your mindset. And I said, there's days where I don't want to train, but it just happens. There's days where I don't want to meal prep. It just happens. And the more you do it, and it's never going to happen instantly for any of the listeners who are out there who want to just, they, they want to, they want to be like Matt. They want to run through the forest while other mates are drinking in, in a tent or something at a, at a festival or whatever it is. Um, it's, it's never going to happen overnight. And it just has that progressive, just trying to get little wins over, the, over time will become a little bit more accumulative. For sure. It's, it's, it is literally like, I know I was joking about the presidential race, but that is how I break it down just without specifics. I always say it's like if there was two people running in a presidential candidacy race, like how do they win? They get more votes. How do they get more votes? They just have a strong campaign. So that, and how does the campaign get stronger? It's like votes get votes, right? Like money makes money or anything else. Like, the more of it you do, the easier it gets to do it. The more you, it, it's like, it gets critical mass. So it, yeah. what you're doing is you're voting. You've got an old you and a new you. Only one can run your brain. Yeah, the other person can sneak in and kind of throw a, a stick in your spokes every once in a while, but that's not going to happen all the time. So as long as we cast more votes for the new guy, like you say, that guy might, your client may well have sacked off that leg session. That wouldn't have been the end of the world as long as the next session he can pick it back up. And the one thing I always say to clients is like one one bad week, one bad meal, that's a mistake. Two on the trot, start of a bad habit. Um, and I think that to kind of like, to answer the question that you actually asked at the start of this in terms of what's the important bits that we instill on clients, beyond mindset, like a more specific component of that and one that I drill into absolutely 100% of clients is their overall um, progress and the rate of progress and the outcome of their, their journey will be largely, will be governed more so by their response to weeks that don't go well, rather than the response to weeks that go well. So see when things are going well, it's easy, the diet is good, you're not hungry, um, the training feels good, you're strong, you're motivated, the weather is good, so you're sleeping good, you know, all this stuff. 
anybody can come in and be like, hey, Matt, this week was class. Here's my check-in. I've done really well. Then something happens. And it always happens. Me, you, everyone else. Yeah. The week doesn't go well. It might not be a car crash, but it might be just they hit what I call a bump in the road. My clients, if there's anyone listening, will be smiling because they're sick of hearing about bumps in the road. We hit a bump in the road. And I use the same analogy every time. It's like if you're driving a car and you're driving along, we've got to decent speed like we we're responsible people so we don't speed so we're doing 70 miles an hour in the united kingdom um in a 70 and we're driving along and we have a bump in the road right and that bump in the road is the bad week or the not great week what it's going to do is it's going to send us off course right and the road is straight and the road is towards our goal and if it sends us off off target what people do when they respond by being like fuck this you know i had a bad day or i had a bad um workout so i binge ate or I did this, that, and the other, what they've done is they've taken their hands off the steering wheel whilst they hit the bump and they've kept their foot on the accelerator. Now, we don't know where the car's going. In fact, if anything, it's definitely going into a tree or a ditch or another car, right? And that, none of those end well. What I want you to do is take the foot slightly off the accelerator, get a good grip of the steering wheel, point the car back in the right direction, and then we can accelerate again. And that is the, 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 one of the most fundamental underpinning factors of what I teach people is that Anyone can respond favorably when things go well, but if, if you can see the sense in a, in a week that wasn't what you wanted, realign, recommit, and go again, then we're all good. Love that, man. Love that. Re-steering the ship, um, exactly like what you tried to, what, what you uh, are using as your example there. Something I say all the time as well. It's very important. <clears throat> Um, so in terms of, uh, you kind of touched on a, on a good few of these notes, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway, in terms of like brain optimization and enhancing our mindset kind of thing, um, is there anything that you look towards on a daily basis, like from a diet perspective or anything like that? I know that we've talked on a couple of things, meditation and, um, circadian rhythm, things like this and reading, of course, is there anything that's, that's kind of sparked your memory on, in terms of anything like that? I mean, there is and there isn't. I use things, but my big reluctance, and you'll probably feel it in the way I've even started this answer, is that my reluctance to give hard and fast answers to this is this is the part people will find this part in the podcast and they will do these things. They will be like, oh, sweet. Matt said cordyceps is probably quite good for mental fatigue and memory. So I'm just going to start taking cordyceps. But my morning routine is dog shit. My evening routine is dog shit. I've got a toxic relationship at home. Like my, my five-year-old's smoking crack. I'm stressed out my nut, but, uh, but don't worry, I'm taking cordyceps, everything will be fine. And that's genuinely what people do. Um, so I find people want absolutes and they listen for gems with like, oh, sweet, I'll just buy cordyceps. So if you are listening, none of this really matters to shit until you're doing all the rest of it. So yeah, like, uh, I, I do genuinely rate like adaptogens um, and I'll yep. use every morning. And I'll, I will, like I, I rate, one thing that has just come out of the UK, which I already rate having not used it, is supplement needs um am priming stack looks so, absolutely yeah. looks next i've been waiting i have yeah, been yeah. watching the page like a hawk since they teased it so <laughs> i'll be on that in terms of what's in that i rate from a mental mental standpoint but you need yeah. to understand is like again i'm a kind of car person i like cars so i use them for analogies for everything like putting that am priming stack in when you're eating absolutely shit you are mm. eating the wrong things you're packing yourself with caffeine you're taking loads of stimulants you're stressed like i said your home life is absolutely atrocious and you're not sleeping properly isn't going to make any differences it's tantamount in a car to getting some sort of like backcountry fuel putting in your car that's already fucked and it's got all the engine management lights on but but don't worry you've put a sick splitter and spoiler on it. it it doesn't make a difference like the car it doesn't work properly so I think we need to go back a step and try not to recommend absolutes and say, right, cool, yeah, what are some fast rules that we can look at for nutrition that will help? Because I think eating for mental performance is as much, is probably the most important thing in terms of, I think most people overeat carbohydrate because most people don't actually, you need to earn your carbs. Like most people don't do enough movement. And I don't want to add fuel to a fire of carbs are bad for you because I want, I'll take a minute to caveat that and say they are absolutely essential and and nobody is like, I don't have any clients on what I would describe as a low carb diet. Um, or if you Google low carb diet, that I don't have anyone on that. I did one. I said it earlier, the egg whites and chicken. I did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never like, do it again. I, never yeah, again. Um, and I think ultimately we need to consider like just the types of carbohydrate we eat and the types yeah. of food that we eat. I think like these days, 2020, 
uh, junk food, processed food is omnipresent. You can't avoid it. It's convenient. It's everywhere. So people reach for it and they think that what they're doing is, is um, in the, you know, they feel better, but they're riding a blood sugar roller coaster. And I think, see if you can manage a client's blood sugar and get it more stable, get it lower in the morning for starters through stress reduction, but get it more stable throughout the day. Cool. We don't maybe don't have to measure that and quantify it, but we can quantify it by like subjective feedback. Like, how does the client feel? Like, feel, yeah. everybody knows that like 3 p.m. in an office, it's like someone pump, pumped sleeping gas into the office. Everyone's like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm so tired because you had a fucking meal, had a meal deal from the sandwich shop, which was white bread, a can of juice, a chocolate bar, and a packet of crisps. And now you're basically pre-diabetic. Good luck again the rest of your day back on track because it's not going to happen. So what do people do? They, they, they self-medicate. They self-medicate with caffeine, right? So we've now put in a four or five, like three, four p.m. caffeine, probably like a pretty strong shot bought coffee. Um, they, they're now, not only now are we masking low blood sugar with high caffeine, but now we've just, we've just potentially, with strong reason to believe, fucked their sleep quality, which is going to feed back into tomorrow's low energy. So now you can start to see how this is quite an insidious creeping thing. So I think this is where like if we can eat our carbs in the right places around the workout window and then carbs can still be consumed outside of that window. I just think they need to be chosen and selected more wisely. Like, yeah, I just think that people reach for white bread, <clears throat> pasta, processed shit. And while it's easy to sound like, like I'm not up here on, a, on some sort of soapbox being like, well, I don't eat any rubbish. Like you bet you believe last night I opened, did you see on my store? I opened that packet of, um, orange Cadbury's chocolate finger. I did see, yeah, yeah. They're like, crack me. Like, I'm like, oh, I'll just have one. Well, and then I read the packet. I'm like, oh, four's only 107 calories, no problem. 25 later, I'm like, right, sweet. That no problem is now an issue. So I am not high and mighty. I do it as well, and I suffer the ill consequence. But I think if you can be cognizant of what fuels your brain, mm. carbs, we need them. But yeah. in the right quantities at the right times, not a bowl of pasta for lunch. You're going to have a huge blood sugar spike and then you're going to hit the bottom of that roller coaster hard. So I think the other side of that is trying to limit and control your caffeine. The, all my clients operate on the caffeine curfew, 2 p.m. or yep. eight hours before your bedtime if you're a shift worker before some smart hours. Like, well, actually, I don't, I don't work shift workers. <laughs> actually, I don't go to bed at normal time. Yeah, I know that. So eight hours before bed um, gives us an adequate time for at least some of that caffeine to have left where it where it is in your brain so caffeine is abused in offices and all these hypotheses of mine they're all born out of what i actually saw from a decade of working in offices so they're born out of like actual something you can reason with like I, this isn't just my opinion this is what i saw people have like, i would drink six seven eight coffees a day in the office josh happily yeah up till five like 5 p.m i'm smashing a double espresso being like i'm gonna to work till eight tonight yeah. And I'm not going to sleep for the next three weeks. So, um, <laughs> so managing your caffeine, uh, definitely all in the morning. And I think three coffees is probably adequate for most people as a max. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I think even into the last probably two years or so, like even training or as PT, working six till five or something like that and trying to fit a session and after i said yeah i'll have a, have a coffee and it's just this vicious cycle of poor sleep need caffeine poor sleep need, need caffeine but the the main thing that i think you said there um is is it, like the analogy of like putting the cherry on top with all these kind of supplementations that you talked about like the am priming stack should be the cherry on top of an an unbelievably a well like designed cake already or a perfect cake i think i got that analogy from luke hoffman we'll give him the sh shout out for that one um a perfect cake with the cherry on top rather than a, a mess and just dropping a cherry on top and seeing what happens do you know i think that that's key it's the same with sleep as well it's even from like a sleep hygiene perspective if you're taking something needs or uh was the sleep stack and ashwagandha and all these kind of things if you're staring at a screen and you've had coffee four hours before and you've had a training session and you're you're stressed up to your eyeballs and you look on the emails staring at a computer there's no way you're getting a good sleep you know no matter what, how many supplements you take sleeping pills etc it has to be that um nailing all the foundations first i think is what what i got from that 100 i think people um people like absolutes it's easier to sell absolutes so being able to tell you what a adaptogenic blend might do 
Um, it, a, that, that sells better than a, if we just do these lifestyle changes. But B, yeah. people are far more inclined to throw 40 bucks at a problem than they are 40 weeks. Mm. It's easier to just like, cool, if I, if I just spend money, this will go away. Nah, news for you, bucko, it's absolutely not. We, we, need, we need to treat your lifestyle and we need to have that what would Jesus do approach uh, to all of this. Uh, and then, like you say, we'll have the perfect cake or at least we'll have a presentable cake. And that's one thing yeah. that I do with my clients. I think a lot of the time, especially from podcasts like this, people can get the wrong impression from us and they think that what we're saying is perfection is the goal. Absolutely not. One of the absolute key phrases I use with 100% of clients is better, not perfect. I don't need you to be perfect. Yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm not. Absolutely. I'm bingy, like yeah. Cadbury's chocolate fingers, mate. So, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, better not yeah. perfect. Tomorrow, today I shan't eat any of them, and then there we go, better. Yeah, I got, I got the one I like to use as well is uh, jeez, uh, I can barely remember now. I was trying to think of it for a minute there. A good month is better than the perfect week because we don't want that. And like like you said, it's that eighty twenty. We do not look for. We're not perfect, you know. And I'll say it openly as well on my social media. I'm not perfect. I don't expect any of my clients to be perfect. But if you can have a very high standard and being being aware of what's going on day to day basis and trying to do something something that's going to push you forward in the right direction you're gonna you're gonna start moving forward in your mindset and, and body composition 100 percent. and I, like let's take a slight left turn then so one thing that i tell my clients is massive so like, let's keep on on the 80 20 and let's keep on the <clears throat> we're not perfect and let's stay in with the the chocolate finger thing so last night i was up ladders filling holes in the wall to get the house ready to to, to hand it over and um it's just one of those things, you know, when you're doing DIY like that, it's just like once someone's opened a packet of those biscuits, the, the whole thing's a, the whole game's a bogey. One of the most important things I teach my clients is that will happen, right? What I need you to do is to track all of it. Yeah. Absolutely all of it. Because uh, an untracked binge or an untracked uncontrolled eating, you don't care what you want to call it, dress it up however you will. But if it's untracked, we can't quantify. So a lot of the time they're like, well, I'm in, a, I'm in a calorie deficit. I just don't know how I'm losing weight. Like you gave me a deficit, man. I, I can't work it out. And you're like, cool, are you binging at the weekend? They're like, oh, well, you know, sometimes, but not an awful lot. I'm like, cool, so it doesn't kill show up on your farm. And then when you do get them to track it and they, you know, they're at a barbecue or they're, you know, whatever, they're, they, they binge, they go out with the missus and they're like, oh, right, shit, I eat 8,000 calories on a Saturday, um, but you've got me on 1,800 during the week. So actually, I'm maintenance when you divvy that back up and spread it across the week. And when you, when you can show a client that, I think it's, it's what muscle nerds teach. It's the, um, the nutritional continuum. So we go from subconscious incompetence where they, they don't, they're, they're not aware that there is a problem. So they're incompetent and they don't know it. So they move to conscious incompetence. So they, they are now aware that they are, not, that they are not good at tracking. And then they move to subconscious competence. So now they are not aware, but they are actually capable. And then finally, the cherry on the top is that they are conscious competent. So they, they, they know that they are able to do it. And you can only get to conscious competence by way of tracking everything and being fully transparent with yourself and the coach. Otherwise, it remains subconscious. You'll hmm. never, ever get further than subconscious competence. Yeah, no, I like that as well. 100% on the on the track everything I think I found that out the hard way with a couple of things when again that first dieting phase I ever tried to do slammed a packet of pistachios thinking yeah it's protein and nuts isn't there and then look down and go oh my lord how did I just hit 200, 200 grams of pistachios there 1500 calories something I was like oh no here we go not ideal for a dieting phase yeah, yeah but you know and then it's it's until you are conscious of it then you go oh shit okay now I understand Nuts probably aren't in line with this phase of diet. Now, don't get me wrong. Nuts are fantastic and to eat and all, but in, in moderation for sure and making sure that we do, do, uh, do track it and then be conscious of it for sure. But bro, your neat must have been massive opening all those pistachios. Say again? Your neat must have been massive opening all those pistachios. Oh, I'd say, I'd say it just, I'd say I, I, I was uh, probably burnt off more than I, I consumed. By the end of it. That's what I told myself anyway. <laughs> yeah so last but not least is going to be non-negotiable so something i ask every everyone i think this would be a really interesting one from yourself three non-negotiables in life and um, something that you couldn't live without doesn't have to be on a daily basis but on a weekly basis if it's a, a food a drink a practice anything um or anything that you you need uh, as a non-negotiable in your life three of them yeah 
for me, don't do this to me. So like in no specific order, because I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to rationalize the, the making one multiple things, one in my head in the background here. So in no specific order, definitely gratitude, gratitude of any description, like gratitude journaling, gratitude, just gratitude. I don't, I don't really give a monkey's how you do it, but if you can start to, to, be, to be grateful for little stuff, um, you will be significantly, significantly happier day to day. Like case in point, we're moving houses, you know, um, I've been moving things up and down to a storage unit all week. Now, my previous car was relatively small. Sarah's dad um, sold me his old car, so now got a, a much bigger car. Now, it's, it's not like a Ferrari or anything like that. It's, it's like a big car for us. And, and it's uh, when I drove back from the unit this week, I found myself being like, you know what, I'm really grateful that, that Jim sold us this car um, because without it, this job would have been absolutely shit and or I would have had to hire a van. So you can find like that thread of gratitude running through your day. It genuinely has made me a very much more happy person and a much more fulfilled person. I used to be the opposite in the office where everything was just shit. Like that shit, that's some shit. This tastes crap. Like uh, it just, I was quite a, you know, I think Celtic, yeah, yeah. Scots, Irish, Welsh, maybe less so than the English, but like, I think we're all like quite a good Scottish word, like doer, just a bit like downbeat and a bit like everything shite. Um, yeah. I, that's just a cultural thing and yeah. I, I was bad for it and I'm now very aware of that as again quite an insidious thing it creeps around the office and people will gravitate towards you if you're the opposite yeah. if you're grateful and happy so gratitude for sure um I think without a doubt I'm, I'm rolling them all into one like family I was struggling to work out how I would crowbar them in um it's just a non-negotiable for me like everything I'm doing is pointless pointless without them and then I think for me non-negotiable aiming to sweat once a day hmm. like doesn't have, I, don't, I don't give a monkeys what you do I, you, you mean you can do zumba if you want but as long as you're sweating once a day but like do the truffle shuffle i don't care just make it make it work 100 i think that a lot of people who come on always say just some sort of movements throughout the day and i think that is important for 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 clients and every everyone and every and all the listeners out there is just do something even if it's a little bit of yoga if it's a little bit of mobility work some stretching something that's going to keep the body moving something for you to kind of build into your day and have a little bit more focus and direction because there's nothing worse than those days where you don't have structure don't have focus don't have direction i think everyone's lost and it's having something in in, in place is absolutely essential so, man, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate you taking the time and there's so much, so much information there that um, I think that everyone can definitely uh, utilize into their own life. Um, so if you'd like to tell listeners where they, can, where they can find you, where they can get you and Instagram handles and stuff like that. Should I start with my OnlyFans? Say again? Should I start with my OnlyFans? Absolutely. Uh, so now you can get me on Instagram at the Muscle Mindset Coach. Um, that's the best place to get me. I'm, I'm on everything else as well, but you'll get less value anywhere else. So get me on at the Muscle Mindset Coach. If you want to drop me a message, do so there, and I will speak to you soon. Brilliant, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it again, and uh, we'll catch up, catch up soon. Thanks so much for having me, buddy.